fucking intro. This is Dustin. And this is Eric. And this is SLC Punkcast. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of SLC Punkcast. Eric and I had the pleasure of doing a fantastic interview with Lou and Pete Collar of Sick of It All. Those guys just released a book uh, not too long ago, The Blood and the Sweat. And we talk about it in the interview, but get out there and get it. You can go get it on digital sources. You can get it through Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And as they will talk about, go look at your local record stores. That's probably the first place to get it. If you can get it, support the local record stores. Yeah. And it'll be amazing if they have it. But you can get that book. You should read that book. It was great. Eric, tell us a little bit about the book. Well, I read the book in its entirety, and it's a it's a pretty interesting way in how it was uh, and how it was written. I mean, it sounds like uh, Pete and Lou are just sitting in a room, just kind of reminiscing about a, about all the old times and all the and all the current times and all the stuff they're looking forward to in the future. And and yeah, well, it is a biography on the band. Sick of it all. One could argue that the band wouldn't exist without these two brothers. So it is mostly them just uh, uh, narrating the history. So it it is done in this format where it's like uh, first uh, Lou is speaking and now Pete is speaking, and they have a paragraph or two to themselves. So it does make it pretty uh, pretty easy to read because it feels like you're just read. You're not you're not reading. It's like you're hearing them speak. It's like a conversation put into words or put, put into words, but into the written word there you go <laughs> yeah. so yeah we uh and yeah they uh the guys reached out to us the slc punk cast and gave us a digital copy of the book to read and we were like well how can we review a book on the slc punk cast well the truth is we can't really <laughs> We are, we are yeah, more we're like not going to read passages out to you. We're, we're not going to do yeah. that. And we're, we're not bi- uh, biography reviewers and all that. But what we can tell you is that we enjoyed it. It was a really good story to get to read about those guys. A lot of other people in their lives, too. Band members, family, and so forth. Uh, part of the interview process for yeah. the book. And we really want to thank those guys for spending the time for us to get to talk to them about their book, about their music, about a lot of things. And as you'll hear me say numerous times in the interview, they're a band that we could probably interview for like 24 hours, you know. And so hopefully at some point in the future when they, you know, release some new music or something like that, we could have back on the show. I have so many more questions of so many other topics, even including the book uh, that we didn't get to that I want to get to. But it's a really good interview, right, Eric? Oh yeah, and it was a it was a great interview, and but we could we barely we were barely able to scratch the surface <laughs> with these with these guys in the interview. But that's just more of a reason to go out and read the book, get right through to the core of what sick of it all is. Absolutely. Well, as Eric just said, we're gonna play a track, scratch the surface, and then oh, we're gonna yeah. have the interview come up. So. Uh, again, shout out to Pete and Lou. Thank you for taking your time to talk with the two of us. We had a blast. Here's Scratch the Surface.
Joining us now from Sig of it all, we have Lou and we have Pete. We have the Kohler brothers. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. We're super excited to be talking to you guys. We're excited cool. to be here. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> However we are here, right? Uh, different coasts. We're, we're, I guess we're not yeah, even on the coast, yeah. but either way, <laughs> awesome to be we're able on the to. the coast of a lake. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's a lake here. <laughs> the salt lake. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you guys, uh, you got put out a book. Thank you for allowing us to get to read it. We thought it was fantastic. Let's jump into it. All right. So, yeah, some of you diehards may know we got a two. We're sitting here with two authors, as it were. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they wrote a book. (laughs) The uh, basically the autobiography from uh, their perspective about their lives within the band. Sick of it all. And yeah, it is a. It's a pretty engaging read. It's pretty. it's a fun read, you know, as it is with uh, most of the most of the books about music and bands that I have listened to. But anyway, uh, this is a, eh, I wish I had a better lead in, but this goes <laughs> to my first question. <laughs> goes to the first great. question. So basically, uh, about the book, whose idea was it? Where did it come from? How did you how did you guys start it? Pretty much. Actually, it started with uh, Howie Abrams coming up with the idea because we always thought maybe someday we would do, you know, a full band book, a sick of it all book. But Howie was uh, playing with the idea of the whole brother in a band thing, you know? Right. So he came to us with it uh, and we were like, yeah, sure. Good idea. Well, the other guys in the band are in there a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, every everything. Of course, it had to be in it because you know it's it's the story of sick of it all. It focuses mainly on me and Pete, but you know those two guys had to be in there. Even Richie, our old bass player, was in there, and right. and Ek, who who substituted for our mind for about uh, I don't know a little less than a year. You know, when Howie first said it to me, I was just like, you know, I wasn't really into it at first, but it turned out to be really good. You know, <laughs> just just because I thought you know who who wants to hear about our story, you know, cause I didn't think anybody cared, but apparently people do. <laughs> yes. I thought it was interesting. And before Eric asked, cause Eric's going to ask the majority of the questions. I want to point out that uh, something that you guys pointed out that not everybody comes from the, you know, the rough life on the streets. And so even though there's a lot of music in, in the scene that, uh, may discuss that, and I like a lot of the music. I just don't relate to it as well. But coming from a, a more similar background to what you guys came from, definitely is more relatable, and it's interesting to uh, see that. You know, not just from yeah. the music, but to to read about it. Like, oh yeah, I I totally get it. You know, maybe that's why some of that music's more relatable to me than yeah. maybe some of the other stuff that I enjoy. I mean, some of those people chose to do that. You know, like they they had the same decent homes as us or whatever, but they were like, they liked hanging out all night. You know, they liked <laughs> staying in the city. We would take the train all the way home. We didn't want to stay in the squat. You know? Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was cool. That was like, a, of all the New York, uh, the books based on New York hardcore that I've read, I've read Roger Barrett's, I've read, uh, I've read John Joseph's and Harley Flanagan's. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, this whole, uh, her whole childhood is not stuff that I could relate to. And then I read your guys's and it's pretty much note for note, kind of the same stuff that I was going through. <laughs> I too was a suburban kid. And I just discovered this music through mutual acquaintances. And I'm like, yeah, I like it. Right. Yeah. Well, now, what's his name? Uh, 
John Brennan from uh, Negative, Negative Approach back oh, in the yeah. early 80s, he called, uh, he said, hardcore is the soul music of the suburbs. And I thought that was <laughs> the greatest thing ever. But, you know, I mean, the, the, the books you mentioned, all those guys had crazy growing up. I mean, Harley was going to see The Clash when he was, what, eight right. with his yeah. aunt, you know? <laughs> Uh, John had that insane upbringing in the in the New York, uh, was it the foster care system? Armand was uh, Armand. Roger yeah. was a refugee from Cuba, and me and Peter were two guys from Queens. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we're refugees from Queens. Yeah, <laughs> but we all—that's the thing. We were all drawn to this music because, you know, like like in the book, we have uh, we had great parents who were very supportive, and you know, they they wanted you to do certain things, but. Even if we rebelled, they they didn't really hate us for it. You know, they didn't, you know, get out of, do it my way or get out of the house. There was none of that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we all still felt trapped in in areas that we didn't want to be in. I mean, you read the book where, you know, we had the, the neighborhood people who looked at you as soon as you got a, a different haircut or you wore different clothes. You were the freak of the neighborhood. You know? <laughs> right. Stuff like that. Yeah, that was... Uh... Yeah, incredibly highly relatable. Never thought I'd be able to say that from my perspective, but <laughs> but yeah, it was awesome. And I love that uh, th this came up multiple times in the book, but specifically uh, the way that you guys were putting like uh, the attraction of hardcore music and how it doesn't matter where you come from. It's just like mm -hmm. you find something in that music to relate to, and that's just kind of where you gravitate towards. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I thought it was an incredibly well thought out piece. <laughs> but yeah, I do want to bring up something Dustin said earlier, how it was uh, you know, reading the book. It really felt like uh, uh, like you guys were just sitting in a room, just kind of reminiscing about it. Right. <laughs> and yeah, it literally felt like you guys were just having a conversation. And the the whole Ooh. time I just kept thinking, how did you guys like transpose the spoken word into into the book like and just to make it flow the, the way it did well we I we think... just talked it was like how he would call us you know me and Lou would be on the line and we would just he would come up with a subject or something and we would just talk and talk and then they had someone else transcribe the whole thing <laughs> a really hard job because sometimes we were talking over each other and laughing and whatever, you know? And, and apparently our voices are similar because when they gave us the, the proofreading copy, I was like, I didn't say that. And Pete goes, no, yeah. I said that. You know? <laughs> but I think it was Howie's idea from just being around us for so many years that like when we'd either be in the van going to a show or driving home from a show and we'd all just start talking about things, you know, about what we did or hanging out backstage or, or at somebody else's show and how, you know, and somebody brings up, Hey, you guys played at this club and we'd all start talking about the stupid things that happened at the show. And, and that's why it's, it's, it is just a natural conversation, you know? Right. Instead of making it where how he is, I'm the narrator and all that. He had it so that we would just tell our own story just like that. So like you feel you're just hanging out with us, you know? Right. Yeah. Felt like more like you guys are having a conversation and the reader, at least for me, I'm like the fly on the wall. 
right? I'm not there actively involved with the conversation, but I got to be there. And it felt like I'm in the room while people are having real conversation. Because uh, like I told you exactly. before we got started, we're, I've read other books, autobiographies, and you have all the words and, you know, going from section to section or whatever, transitions. You got a lot of stuff going on and, you know, not as much thoughts, uh, in my opinion, thoughts that are coming directly from your heads, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so it was just more relatable that way. It felt more like we're there, even though we're reading a book, we're there with you while you're having the conversations. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, actually we've been starting to record the audio version of the book and I could see, you know, we'll have an idea. And then in the middle of the same sentence, we jump to a different story, but it's kind (laughs) of related, you know? And I I was like, are people going to follow, be able to follow this? But, it's just the way it is. <laughs> I thought that once or twice. You know, I'm reading through and I think that's kind of a jump. Did I skip a page? Because I'm reading yeah, exactly. it through on a PDF. But then you go back and then you read the paragraph. Like, oh, wait a minute. There's another story. Yeah. Right. And yeah. once you get through the net, that paragraph, you're like, oh, okay. I, it relates. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it just captures the, the human nature of the, of the mind when you're telling a story. Just like, yeah. oh, wait, I got to tell you this one to add to the context yeah, of everything. Right. Or, or something that happened in that one. Well, wait, before that, this happened. Sometimes I would go <laughs> off in the middle in a long tangent, and I'd be like, what the hell was my point for the first time? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, where am I? <laughs> uh, the story started in 89, and now I'm already in 2006. How did I get here? <laughs> Uh, I was at your last show here. Anything interesting happened? Do you recall from God, uh, wait in, in Salt Lake? Yeah, that was yeah. was the last, was the last year? show we played. Then is it the Urban it Lounge? Did you guys play with uh, Murphy's Law? I don't remember anything happening in Salt Lake. Okay, well we're kind of bland I mean, that, sometimes. I don't think no. a lot of people. <laughs> oh, I, I remember that was a good show. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that, Lou. That's yeah. when uh, all of Stormy's like sisters showed up and oh okay remember stormy's our booking agent she originally she started in salt lake moved to la for i don't know decades and now she's back in salt lake right oh, yeah that was yeah. a great show that was a good show yeah yeah, that, was that, a really, that whole that's a cool club a good club yeah that whole tour with murphy's law was fun yeah it was fun <laughs> those guys man they can get any crowd moving yeah <laughs> that was that was my first time seeing murphy's law and uh, uh, I guess not intentionally, but not really familiar with their, wasn't familiar with their music back then. So I'm like, all right, how am I going to watch this show? And then Jimmy comes out and I'm like, within two minutes, he had me laughing my ass off. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he's, he's great. Oh. He's, yeah, he's but Salt Lake has always been good for us. I mean, from the first few times we went there, it's even through the crazy gang times or whatever they were having over there, but it was always good shows. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody that toured around that time, they probably have some stories about, about that. I didn't Uh, see any of it. I didn't, you know, it just wasn't me. uh, So you're lucky. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't seen any of it, but I do know a few guys. They're like, we're keeping tallies on the bands that came through and had to beat up. Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> we had we never had any trouble we had one small incident when we it was in the 90s with uh we had good riddance on tour and, you know oh yeah and uh i forget who it was, i think it was 
it couldn't have been Snapcase, but we usually when we did, we did those tours, we'd have like, oh, let's bring like a you know West Coast style band and then like a more heavier one also. But anyway, I remember when Good Riddance was on, uh, the singer was Straight Edge, but he's playing pop, oh, popish style punk. Yeah. And all those hardcore straight edge guys are standing there going, you can't be straight edge playing this fucking music. You know, <laughs> saying shit like that. They didn't care. That when we went sense. on, yeah, there was a, a younger kid started a fight. One of the younger guys started a fight. And Craig told him, he goes, hey, why don't you just calm down? And then the kid said something back to him. And then the older guys just grabbed him and said, like, don't say anything to sick of it all. And we were like, oh, that's good. You know, <laughs> they gave us respect for that. That's good. Uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard some crazy stories about good riddance uh, coming through here. Uh, one in which where a gun was pulled out at the show, and wow. yeah, like uh, this, it was aiming it at this kid, and this kid just walked right up to the gun and was like, "Shoot me!" And <laughs> of course, the, of course, he did it, but he like uh, nudged him with the gun to get out of the yeah. venue, and that was during a good riddance show. And wow. It, it took about 20 years for them to be like, okay, we can come back to Salt Lake City now. But, <laughs> but yeah, if you listen Crazy. to the song, uh, the song by them called Salt, that's about that incident. Oh, <laughs> so wow. Salt Lake City made it into a good written song. I think, <laughs> I don't know, cool, I uh, guess. I, <laughs> it's a shame because I remember when all that shit started getting bigger. I know it's not in the book or part of it, but, but we, we loved going there. And then after a while, it was like, oh, this is lame. But then it came back, so. That's good. I mean, yeah. same thing in New York. Same stupid stuff happened. So. Yeah, same thing everywhere, really. Like it's exactly. uh, so many waves coming through. Yeah. But yeah, we feel like it happens a lot in Salt Lake, probably because it is a smaller city. So per capita, we have less people involved in <laughs> the little the little enclaves of seed. We got our little metal stuff, our straight edge stuff, the skinheads, whatever, and uh, and yeah, it's like a collectively we may have a thousand people but that's divided up into like five or six different scenes yeah so it's like people will get bored really easily really quickly and that's like okay now i want to go back and now i want to go yeah back. i feel like it happens at least once every two years p where was that that we played was it idaho or whatever we played two years in a row and it was an amazing scene like it was incredible hardcore scene it was wild and then we went back a, th a third time, and all of a sudden there was like less than half the people, and and we said, "What happened, to everybody? You know, all the kids that were here, they go, oh, they're all into like raves now." Like, <laughs> I can understand you can like any kind of music you want, but why would you like be so into something, and then all of a sudden you're like, eh, "I don't like that anymore." I like that. Right. <laughs> I mean, we still listen to the same shit in the book. We talk about how we listen to still listen to bands that uh we listened to growing up you know yeah, yeah especially in the the kind of epilogue where you're making your list of the best albums oh favorite albums yeah, yeah. favorite uh, favorite <laughs> non-metal favorite metal and hardcore that yeah. was uh that was howie's idea because he did a a book called the uh what was it top 10 of metal or something like that top 10 was lists it of the metal ABCs of metal no but he did he his first one was something about remember he, he asked us he goes hey you guys want to give me a top 10 list and i said of what he goes anything you want as long as it has to do with metal and he <laughs> he tried to egg us on to do one do do the top 10 reasons anthrax is not really part of new york hardcore and i said that's it's not cool man <laughs> <laughs>
you can say what you want about him, but Scott Ian was at all those early shows. Danny Luker, who was an Anthrax at the time, was at all those early hardcore shows. You know? yeah, that's where SOD came from. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, Anthrax may not be a hardcore band, but SOD was. That's why it exists. Yeah, I wanted to ask this question. Uh, uh, there is the, it's not really like a, uh, as far as the book and the narrative is concerned, you guys, yeah, like you said, you do have a tendency to bounce around a little bit. It's like you go from past, then future, then past a little bit, but there isn't. But it's when you get down to talking about your, uh, the albums and like, you have this uh, story per each album, how it was recorded and the aftermath and whatnot. And that's all in order. And I wanted to know, like, what was the, what was the album that you have like the best memories of its creation? Of the creation for yeah. me, it's, it was the writing process and uh, of scratch the surface. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is one of my favorite albums. It's not my favorite, but that was my favorite time. Uh, because we had this rehearsal studio in this loft in Chinatown. There's some French guy who, some guy who did soundtracks to French movies owned it. And he rented it out to us and to Henry Rollins band to, uh, yeah. to rehearse. And we spent a whole summer just going there almost every day jamming because Craig was new to the band at the time. He had just, he left AF and landed back in america he left af after their last european tour at the time yeah had two days at home and then went right on tour with us and then we said all right we're gonna write an album blah 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 and we spent that whole summer just going into this loft and hanging out and jamming and having so much fun it was it was like you know we had the beginning of sick of it all then when craig came it was a second beginning you know we had these uh marks were that i would say like we're all second beginnings you know or, or a third like to me another beginning would have been when we did uh we left fat records and did uh uh death to tyrants that was another one that right. was great but but hands down my favorite was uh writing scratch the surface what about you, the best part about uh, that place in chinatown was is all of our <laughs> friends would just stop by toby tim all of our friends would always just come by and it was like a like a fun hangout you know, no That's pressure awesome. to get anything done. We were just riding, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Remember that time? It was summertime, so there was tourists everywhere. And we were, even though we were up high, like we were on the eighth floor or whatever it was. And I remember we had all the windows open and me and Pete stepped out while playing. We stepped out onto the fire escape and all the tourists are looking up, taking pictures. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was so loud. We even got complaints. <laughs> there was three floor, three floors below us. Uh, three floors every floor had a sweatshop on it and they were mass producing clothes for macy's or whatever there and they complained about the noise even wow. with all those sewing machines going <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that seems like a theme for the band you know hanging out being being with your friends uh you know you talked about the instead of getting a van where you throw your instruments in you, you know the, the beginning <laughs> of the band you guys are uh, we'll just borrow people's instruments and we'll show up and we'll pack more <laughs> more people in and just have a good time and then eventually yeah. remember you got a show to play. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's a it good was part. Just, of the it was book. just about fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> remember bouncing around in those vans, sweating because we'd get a cargo van because it was cheaper and we'd all lay and 
you're driving in the middle of the summer somewhere there's no windows to open we're all sweating to death in the back <laughs> if you're a driver or the guy who was holding an actual map because we didn't have not even map quest back then you know we just had to read right it. you got to sit by the front and open your window <laughs> did you ever get lost you know when we started getting lost when we when we started using MapQuest. <laughs> Because they would always tell you, make a left here, and there would be a brick wall. You're like, what the hell? You have to make a right. <laughs> Call the club and say, we're in the middle of this spot here. And they're like, oh, no, no, don't make the left. <laughs> we know there's a wall there. <laughs> That's awesome. That's funny. And uh, now people just, you look on your phone, and you're, it tells you right exactly where to go. Right. Yep. Talks to you, too. Could, <laughs> yeah. You I don't even have to look at the phone. Adventure out of it. <laughs> right. Good, That's true. Yeah. Just a little. <laughs> We're going to take a quick pause on this fantastic interview and we're going to listen to a great track from Sick of It All off of Built to Last. It is Us versus Them.
still love the on the album thing. Like, what was the album where you felt like it truly uh, developed the quote "sick of it all" sound? Like the time where you were I don't, pretty much happy with the tone and the way where it was like not too metal and also not too punk, just kind of existed in that that realm of true of a true hardcore sound. I would say scratch the surface. Yeah, but you know what? Just look around. We had a we were kind of falling into it. More, know, yeah. We had punk mixed in it, you know, but with the the guitar sound staying more, more heavy. Yeah, you know, heavy, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'd I'd say that, but I think I think that, and then combining the the slicker production of Built to Last. And then we kind of experimented after that. Like when we went to Fat, Armand and Craig didn't like all the overproduction that we did on the last two albums. So they wanted to do uh, a call to arms. Let's go raw. Let's go, you know, low tech. I wasn't into it because I liked when we did the heavy, the, the heavier songs, all that production made it boom and explode. The <laughs> call to arms is a good record, but not one of my favorites. I think our sound actually came together again in 2006 when we started working with uh, uh two madsen uh from, right. he produced he produced yeah. death the tyrants and then he produced the one after that based on true story he when we he was trying to we were looking for a producer and he he would come to our shows i had met him when i sang on a haunted record and uh he would fly from denmark to all these shows that we were doing in europe just to see what we you know he was a fan of ours, but he wanted to really see where we were at in our career. And then when we went in to do Death to Tyrants, it was like, wow, he fucking knows what he's doing. He, he got <laughs> us, he got, he captured the energy without us being sloppy all over the place, you know? Wow. That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, make sure you have uh, very smart people in your corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had good producers. Steve Evitz, who did uh, Yours Truly, really good, great work with for vocals and and he had good ideas you know he was a great producer he did uh he ended up doing stuff with uh every time i die and stuff like that and bands like that you know he's a he's yeah. a smart guy too but i think for sick of it all it it was two mattson and then we brought in our friend jerry farley became uh his whenever he came to the u.s to record us jerry was his main his engineer you know he was our friend and we recorded jerry's studio and then we were doing an EP for the 30-year anniversary, and Tool was like, it's not worth it for you guys to fly me there to do this, and, or you fly here. He goes, Jerry knows our, knows you guys as well as I do. Why don't you let Jerry produce, and I'll just mix. And that's when now Jerry has produced. What was the last? He did He did Wake the Sleeping Dragon was his, his, uh, the one that he fully produced. The other ones, like the EP he produced. And, yeah. and again, we just had... Uh, Tua just mixed them. So we're lucky. Wow. We have Tua <laughs> and Jerry yeah. as two guys who know how to get the best performances out of us and, and to keep our sound the way it is. That's the key, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Without sounding like the same record every time, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> and actually, right now, Jerry is the one helping us record the audiobook. Oh, really? Awesome. He makes us go over the lines over and oh, over. Oh, my God. Total <laughs> <laughs> pain in the ass. <laughs> it's funny because you never realize that I never realized how the way I speak, the way we speak, isn't the way you should write things down. <laughs> it's not like the correct grammar or whatever. You can understand what we're saying, but you know, 
Yeah. At least he's not like making a, he, you know, he'll correct things and now you have to read it like it says in the book. And it's obvious that the uh, editor, uh, oh, wait, that seems backwards. Let me switch these two words. And I'm like, that's not the way I say it. He goes, yeah, yeah. but properly, you would say it like that. At least he's not like sitting there going like, no, say it in a proper English, English accent. You know? <laughs> yeah. I can't even talk now. It's like, <laughs> make the readers believe you are from New York. Emphasize yeah. that accent. <laughs> say, say the word tree instead of three. You know, but I've never said that in my life too long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note, a quick side note from the book. Are there any, because you guys have been around, uh, are, are there any songs you know, when you play shows, especially probably bigger shows, uh, there's probably certain songs you're going to play. You have so many hits, you're probably playing a lot of those, plus mixing in whatever you choose. But are there any songs, you know, on that note you just said, you know, you're getting tired of saying the same lines that you've already said for the book. Are there any songs <laughs> that you're like, all right, we'll play it, but I've played that song so many times that I'm just not as into it as maybe 15, 20, or whatever years ago? You feel it when you're writing this set list and when you were rehearsing for the tour you're like oh this one again like i won't if we're rehearsing i'm like I, I don't even need to rehearse us versus them or or my life you know but then when you're at the <laughs> show and you go into it the fucking place goes nuts you're like all right <laughs> yeah. i remember being a kid reading uh uh an interview with richie blackmore from deep purple and he was just when he started rainbow and he was like People were like, are you going to do any Deep Purple songs? He goes, no, I'm tired of those songs. Like, how can you hate those songs? Like, smoke on the water, come on. Yeah. But I can see it. But like I said, right, Pete, when we do it live, it's just like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you, when you see tired the set of it list, then. you're like, oh, man. Especially Craig, he's like, come on. We can't keep playing the same shit. And it's like, <laughs> we don't. Of course, when there's a new record out, you put a lot of the new stuff in there, too. But like you guys said. You have to have our hits, you know. Like, right. The justice system yeah. has to be in there. Clobbering time, step down, step scratch down. We played them a million times, but like Lou said, as soon as the crowd, you're in front of the crowd. You love the songs, you know. Right. I'm singing every word as if I'm in in the crowd, you know. <laughs> and the crowd probably is too, because it's one of those things where you know most people probably aren't following you and watching every single show you play on every single tour. You know, they're like exactly. us. And when you, you're where we, we can see you, we're going to see you. And so, you, you know, as a fan, you're, you're like, oh, I can't believe they didn't play that song. You know, exactly. whatever it is. So if you, if you don't do that, not that you have a fear of disappointing, but, you know, there's probably people that have, you know, B-sides out that they're like, I just hope they play it. And then if you don't, like, man, I can't believe they didn't play that. <laughs> it, 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 we used to. We used to call this thing, we had a, we'd say we have a two-year curse. We would play, put out an yeah. album, and we'd stack it with a lot of new songs, the, the set with a lot of the new songs, and you'd play them, and they wouldn't get any reaction. So then after two years, we start writing another record. You go out on tour, and people start asking for songs. Why aren't you playing this song off the last <laughs> album? Go, because nobody liked it. They're like, oh, we liked it. <laughs> it's hindsight is amazing, because people come up to us and like, we always thought yours truly was a disappointment to people. I mean, besides the horrible cover, because, you know, people, we would, when we did that tour, uh, I thought people were going to lose their shit when we played those songs and people were just like, yeah, okay. And then now they're all like, you need to play this off of yours truly. You need to play. I'm like, nobody <laughs> liked them. You know? It's like, you're not sitting there listening to the album, truly absorbing what's, what's coming out of the speakers. Exactly. Yeah. 
on that note, is that something that drives you for writing new material? Where you're like, all right, we've played these songs. I want to do something different. So does that help drive you to creating more? Because you guys are pretty consistent. You don't have, you know, there's some bands that have had dry spells or, you know, whatever you want to call it, hiatus. Mm. You guys are just pretty consistent throughout your entire history. Is that something that drives you for that next album or that next EP is like, all right, I'm ready for something new and I've got some ideas. Let's do these because I want to play something new. Well, when we put the new, well, I'm always trying to write music. It's like, and it's not like I grab my guitar like, okay, I'm going to write a song now. It's just like, it's something that's in your head and it keeps yeah. coming. Right. And then, you know, you keep hearing it. So, okay. Then you play it. Like the other, I, I was writing since this whole quarantine thing was going on. I wrote like three songs in a row, like within the same day. And then for like weeks, I didn't, it didn't pick up the guitar. Wow. And just like last Sunday, I sat down, picked up the guitar and wrote an entire song within like five minutes, you know? So it's like something that needed to come out. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Another quick break from the interview this time. Let's check out Machete from Death to Tyrants. Have you guys been holding up during quarantine or whatever uh, we, we call what we're doing? <laughs> it, it sucks was not for, playing shows. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it was fine for like the first two weeks. Like, ah, oh, we have a little time off. And, and then when it hit summer, I really missed it because we had all these festivals in Europe planned and all these tours. And I was missing it. But I was, all right, I'm home with my daughter for, for a whole summer this time. Not just like for, oh, I'm home for three weeks and going away, you know. But now... 
so over this shit. Oh, I bet. It's so boring. Yeah, absolutely. I was very fortunate I mean, last year. I got to travel to go see some shows. I saw, I, I traveled out to Oakland. I traveled to Austin, uh, out to Connecticut. I saw a bunch of great shows, saw a bunch of great ones here, and then to go to nothing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I watched a couple streams, and, and I don't dislike the streams. It's just such a, a different energy. It feels more like I'm watching the band practice, which is still yeah. good. It's just not the same effect as being at the show with other people. It's not the same energy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we do, we've been doing these things. Uh, we called them the quarantine jams. We recorded all of them in July, and we release them, like, every two weeks. We have another one coming out in, on tomorrow, October 27th. Awesome. And uh, people love it, but we can't keep doing it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, we still get excited. I mean, you can watch us as we're, you know, like I have to film myself while I'm singing the actual song being recorded and I'm trying not to move around too much. I don't have a lot of room. I'm in a fucking five by five bathroom in my basement <laughs> you know, recording myself. And, uh, I'm, but I still get into it. I still love the songs, you know, it's, and, yeah. but uh, it's not like it is live. True. It, it, yeah. When we go back, we're probably just gonna self-combust on stage because so much, <laughs> uh, so much energy is gonna come flying out. Absolutely, from both sides, from you guys playing and from the people that haven't been seeing any shows. <laughs> uh, stage diving off the barriers again. <laughs> oh God, yeah. That's the other thing. How weird a show is gonna be after this? You know, like even if they come up with some kind of uh, uh, a vaccine or whatever, they're gonna they always take opportunities to put in more regulations. So there's going to be like regulations about barricades and this and that. Right. Yeah. Even more so than there are now, you know, yeah, right now, shows. those like those uh, festivals, they're trying to uh, bring in the bubble idea. Like you go to a show, but you have your own six foot bubble that you, uh, yeah. around <laughs> for social <laughs> distance. I know. I guess those uh, things are better than nothing. I saw like at the beginning of the summer, people talking about drive-in concerts where the band gets up yeah, on stage yeah. and people drive their cars in. And again, better than nothing, but man, that just seems so sad. One here, there was one this weekend here at the uh, Daytona Speedway. Wow. And it it was uh, a singer from Godsmack and some other guy, and they just played acoustic. But there was tons of people there because there's nothing going on. Right. You know, <laughs> I've seen... I know... In uh, San Francisco area, they they or Northern California, they did a a couple, but it was the biggest. There were no you know real band names, they, they, uh, big name bands, but they they said the two biggest ones they had was a Queen cover band and a Guns N' Roses cover band. They both <laughs> sold out the drive-in. Wow! And it was weird because I saw pictures online, people like hanging out of their cars. I'm like, this is just lame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It looks they better sad. Be shown, they better be showing a movie after these guys. <laughs> no shit. I've seen some shows, you know, on Instagram and such, bands posting stuff. And I think even in California, occasionally you'll see some, and this is just within maybe the last month, some bands, will, you know, location doesn't come out until like the day before, the exactly, day of, something yeah. like that. And then other ones in the like, strict, you know, six feet. They, they had something here. It was just a couple local bands. But inside that venue, it's actually that venue you guys played at here last, Urban Lounge. But in, instead of being mm-hmm. inside, around the back where the parking was, they were setting up the show back there. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And it happened like maybe three or four weeks ago. 
but the way they set it up is you have to walk around, you have to have your mask on. Uh, there was chairs. The chairs were going to be six feet apart, and you had to have your mask until you got to your chair. But then once you got to the chair, you can take the mask off, but you have to stay in the chair. You can't get up and move around. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. go. I, I, you know, it's the only opportunity to have seen something recently that I would have gone to. But I just looked at that and thought, I don't really want to wear a mask outdoors in warm weather and then go sit in a chair six feet apart from people. <laughs> yeah. I saw that uh, over the summer, there was this uh, band from the Netherlands. Uh, it's like a rock band. It's like an all female ACDC style band called Thunder Mother or Mother Thunder, I think. And they did a COVID tour. They called our quarantine tour. And they were played all the small outdoor venues. But, you know, the people were like, they would have six, four to six chairs in a section. And then you had a little rope around it and you had to stay in your seats. I was like, this, this is what they want to be a wild rock and roll show. And this is what you got. <laughs> Fuck that. I'd rather not go. Right. <laughs> it's just not the way I, how do you get any energy out of that? I if there was a, if there was like a big hardcore show that was done in the style of a drive-in concert, I, I'm pretty sure at one point someone's going to be getting out of the car and start smashing windshields. Either that or they're going to make like a car circle pit. Right. Only if, <laughs> if they said they could do that, like people bring your junker cars and come to the hardcore show. I mean, all right. Yeah, there you Everybody go. Everybody can listen on, the, on like Bluetooth. See, what we're going to start band. doing is playing demolition derbies. Yeah. I was <laughs> just thinking that. <laughs> I was thinking do a pay-per-view and bring people in. <laughs> If you do the Braveheart, it has to be the last song. Scratch has got to be the last song because people fly out the windshield. But how, hey, now that's a great that's a great quarantine video idea. That would be yeah. amazing. You know, you've seen a lot yeah, of videos fine. that look like what I'm looking at. You know, we're on all different screens and people are yeah, singing exactly. the lyrics. Yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah, plenty yeah. of those. But what you're describing would be amazing. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, just just think a stage with us on it. Yes. Just cars going crazy the whole time. And then at the end, they just smashed into each other. That would be awesome. We'd have yeah, to do it in Florida, though. I don't think you get away with it anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a racetrack right over here that does demolition derbies. We could do it Woo! right there. Perfect. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's get call, – call a manager. Get him on it. Yeah. <laughs> Drop your budget. <laughs> Drop your budget. Uh, get a few words. Automobile wall of death. <laughs> you incorporate those ideas it's going to be the most viewed thing it'll be the internet winner of the day and those views will go crazy yeah of the year <laughs> right fighting uh, against covid let's worry about <laughs> automobile injuries <laughs> <laughs> yeah at, at the end you can have all the statistics zero covid spreading right six broken backs five broken arms 32 cases of whiplash <laughs> but people will only care about that first statistic zero cases of covid yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah a bunch of people got injured but at least they didn't get sick right <laughs> oh, boy. what were we talking about right yeah <laughs> i was just thinking shit if you guys do that let me know i'll fly out there i'll, I'll fly out for All that right. one <laughs> Last interruption, I swear. I hope you're having a great time listening to this great interview. We're going to listen to one more track, and off of their newest release, Wake the Sleeping Dragon, we're going to check out To the Wolves, then enjoy the rest of the interview with Pete and Lou. They threw me to the wolves, but I came back, leading the pack, the weight of the world. Survive! Fuck you to nail for every strap, whatever it is! 
do have uh, one question left, and this is this is referring to something else in your book. Obviously, I guess that's why we're here. <laughs> the, uh, uh, you guys uh, uh, were mentioning whenever uh, you do something special within the band, like a. a I think this was like uh, the 25 nonstop, the uh, anniversary album yeah. where you re-record all the songs. And, and yeah, it was a good album, got a lot of great, uh, great response. But then there was also this, uh, this thing that was going around. It's like, oh, now Sick of It All is breaking up. They just released this album. <laughs> have, you been getting, have you been getting any comments like that now that you're releasing a book? It's like people are <laughs> saying, oh, they're going to call it quits. That You know, what's funny is uh, when I – when it came out that we were doing the book, uh, Jimmy from Murphy's Law called me up and he's like, what are you doing a book for? You do that when you're breaking up or after the band's done. You know? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. People want to hear it. They do. It's given us something to do during all this quarantine stuff. It, yeah. It, it, True. I mean, yeah, it, I'm kind of glad it, it came out when it did and it's done because, you know, it's, like I said, it's a, not that the band's over, but it's a hell of a long time before we get to play live again, you know? Right. <laughs> so at least people can read the book, and who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Are you guys actively writing stuff? I, I know that you guys are, you know, you already talked about, uh, Pete anyway, creating some songs. Is that something yeah, you guys are, are looking forward to doing, or have you guys actively yeah. been doing something like that together? We're doing, I have, what, three of the songs that Pete sent me, me and Armine talk about it, you know, like, uh, I said, like, oh, I'd like to write to this one because All Mine writes a lot of lyrics now, too. Pete writes lyrics. Actually, the last two albums, everybody's contributed to writing lyrics, which makes my job easier. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've been listening to the songs every once in a while, getting a feel for it, you know, trying to stay, trying to come up with new angles because if I write about what I feel now, it's going to be a very angry, depressing album. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, we're, we're definitely writing. I know... Uh, like I said, we do the COVID videos. We we're, we have to have a band meeting about what to do further. Uh, I know Armand and Craig uh, came up with a little uh, COVID project. You know how everybody's getting different people to play on different. Like Craig did uh, with some of the guy, the drummer of Stone Sour, and I forget who else. They did a cover of Maladjusted with Craig on bass. Awesome. Uh, I did uh, a Black Flag song with uh, Tim from Rise Against yeah. and the guy from MXPX and. Uh, and uh, Darren from Goldfinger, and, and Moby was on that for some reason too. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing that, that video. A little side note is if you see the video, the, and, the, and one of the comments was, "Wow, this is great. Why does Moby look like he's singing in his sleep?" <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but Armand and Craig are doing this thing with uh, Craig, the other Craig uh, who plays an Agnostic Front, and some other people. They. They all love, you know, we all grew up listening to the new wave of British heavy metal stuff like Maiden and stuff like that. So they're jamming on that. That's going to be released in a few, I don't know. I don't know how far they're into it, but it was like a couple more weeks, I think, they have of recording. So we're all keeping busy. That's awesome. Oh, good. As long as the juices are flowing, then we can always expect something new coming out. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Pete's yeah, yeah. got songs. That's good. Because, you know, I mean, it's fun doing the book. It was fun doing the book. It's not so much fun doing the audio book. But, <laughs> but you know, because I sit there, I'm like, I'd rather Jerry be here telling me, let's write this song or let's sing this, you know? Right. So try this, uh, try this inflection when you say that word. Yeah, it's true. And it's funny. The last album, him and, after the whole band, we did demo tracks with Jerry. 
he took me to uh he has a home studio which is really his old his teenage bedroom and we spent what a month and he i would sing it like my my idea when i sing a song is i go and i just go full throttle all the way and he's like we do a take like that and he goes all right now here hold back and then go full throttle or go full throttle first and then cut back here you know it was really good i think it made for a more interesting album Fred. <laughs> As we, as we wind this down, because I know you guys have got to get going, so I appreciate you taking the time. Before I forget, I meant to do it at the top of the show, too. Uh, so the blood and the sweat, where can people get it? I, I know audio is obviously coming out soon, so for anybody that would be not inquiring. <laughs> well, maybe not soon, but it's coming. How's that? It's yeah. coming, so be on the lookout for it, because audio does work easier for me on a re- uh, typically as well. But especially since you guys will be doing the audio, that's fantastic. But that'll be coming. So where can people get it uh, for now? You can order it from any. I mean, of course, the big monster Amazon has it. Uh, <laughs> Barnesandnobles.com has it, you know. And those are probably the easiest ways to get it. But uh, a lot of people have been doing, like, going to their, uh, if they have one anymore, a record store, an independent record store in their neighborhood, <laughs> or even bookstores. So that I think it's really cool. <laughs> Uh, the guitar player Richie from uh, uh, Wisdom and Chains, I did an interview on his podcast, and he go he goes, I'm sorry, I haven't read the book yet. And I go, why not? He said, because I went and tried to do the right thing. I ordered it through uh, an independent record store in his town, <laughs> and he said, I ordered this thing in March, and it's still not here. Oh wow! I said, just, I said dude, just go to Amazon. <laughs> But I mean, places like Generation Records in New York had a really good uh, deal with it, and our friends in Germany, uh, Cortex, they they had a they bought a whole bunch and sold them out. So it's it's you know you can get it anywhere really. Right, and I bet they would. It's so great. If anybody hasn't read it, you should. Like I said, even for someone like me, who I don't know, you know, maybe I had ADD or whatever that shit is, just <laughs> never diagnosed, just had a hard time focusing. My mind always. When reading, that's probably what's terrible with my textbooks. You start reading and then goes on to something else, and typically it was to music or something like that. So reading about yeah. this, obviously, is easier for me to stay focused, but uh, the way it was put together, too, like just a very long conversation, even though it's not like, you know, one continuous, there's definitely breaks. and yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, it made it really easy to read, and when I had to stop, like, all right, good stopping point, jump back in, and you don't feel like you're – you know, missed out on some conversation. Or I have to reread pages. I hate doing that. Read a page. That's <laughs> terrible. That's why I stopped reading the textbooks. I'd read and get like five pages, and I'd be like, I don't even remember what the fuck I just read. That's a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying. That's why I read out loud to myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a good idea. I feel like I obtained the information better that way. Well, you have almost, you know, you're listening to yourself plus you're reading. So I guess two forms there. Maybe you'll have better odds. I never really did. But this one uh, <laughs> was easy. I liked it. Uh, plus, it was enjoyable content to me. I like, you know, growing up here in Salt Lake City and, you know, just a different life. I mean, I had like an uncle that I didn't even hear his records, but I saw some of his records. But the records he had were like Violent Fams and Clash, stuff like that, which was cool. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, maybe around late 80s. But I never actually heard them, and I didn't have anybody in my life specifically that listened to music like this. I didn't get into the music like this until high school, so it was, you, know, you guys have been a band seven, eight years by the time I'd even heard of your band or any bands like your bands. In yeah. Salt Lake, there wasn't a lot of great radio stations that played music like this. There was one, and it 
was really grunge heavy music so i mean you'd get a little bit mixed in here and there so you didn't catch a lot of that uh, for me a lot of bands that I actually came across were hitting some of those festivals like warp tour would hit salt lake every year and you'd get to yeah. come across so many cool bands like oh who's this who's this and then that radio station actually did their own festival like that the, the big ass show each year as well and so i hit two of those and that's a way back in the mid 90s that i came across a lot of bands Obviously, like Eric said, friends too, but just didn't have, you know, the internet was new and wasn't using the yeah. internet at the time to seek out bands. I mean, there wasn't places where bands would go put themselves on like uh, so any social media pages where it was kind of easy to search like, oh, follow that one. And then like 15 people come up like you might like these like, oh, yeah, I probably yeah. do like that one and so forth. You didn't have that. So I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate being able to come across bands. I'm glad bands like yours that came from New York did come out to places like Salt Lake City. Otherwise, you know, back when I was getting into the music, wouldn't I would have had a hard time getting into, or not getting into, but just hearing your band. Yeah, that's one of yeah. the most I vivid mean, memories for me too. At that Warp tour, is the sick of it all the the, the basketball jerseys that yeah. <laughs> the really popular some on all kinds of people, some at the merch booth. Yeah. That I can still picture back, that back then, that and like you know, uh, gas station attendant jackets and shirts and stuff. Yeah, you used to be able to go like for the the basketball jersey. We it was, I think, in Buffalo or Syracuse, there was a, a champions uh, factory where you used to make champion gear, and all the irregulars they would sell to you by the pound. So <laughs> we you just buy their irregulars, which I don't know what made them irregular. They all look fine to us. You know, you buy them by the pound, like three bucks a pound for shirts. And they, and we do the same thing with the gas station jackets. On that Warp Tour, we would have gas station tended jackets for 20 bucks that just, so we just silkscreened uh, Sick of It All logo on the back. And people were like, a jacket for 20 bucks? And they'd go crazy. But then stores started catching on and would go and buy up all the stuff before you could get there. And then they would oh. do the same, like boutiques. <laughs> they would make, then they'd make, cool guy jackets out of it and sell them for uh, you know it would be like in macy's Those window damn cool guys yeah, yeah. it'd be in the macy's window they would say like grunge jacket seventy five thousand dollars <laughs> they still do that now they put the uh, what is that h&m would have the punk jacket and yeah they would have patches oh, yeah. that didn't really it would look like the exploded's logo but it would say the exploded and they would have the no mags you know it's like not really the band but right uh, <laughs> you know because now it's the it's now the mainstream norm to be looking alternative or uh, edgy or whatever and it's just another like a company trying to harp on that and get a get a few bucks out of it exactly yeah right I mean, you'd hope that some of the money goes to the bands i've seen a lot of those memes that go on where you know girls that you just look at them and you're like yeah you probably don't listen to the clash or the ramones because those are the the typical <laughs> ones uh misfits yeah. even you know that that you see on people so as long as the yeah. money actually makes its way to the bands i guess I, but that's the stores that they're buying that shit at <laughs> yeah they they do i i remember uh i i don't know if they're still in there but uh and i never saw it because i don't go in urban outfitters just because i don't and i don't hate it or anything but uh i saw this message to ian mckay that's like, oh my god you sold your shirts to urban outfitters that you know blah blah this sellout they didn't really call us out they were just chastising him and he was like i'm in my late 50s you know <laughs> and it's my band yeah what what do you care that 
you know, how old are you? He was like saying, how old are you? Because if you're in your around the same age as me, why would you care that I'm making money off of something that I made? You know, exactly. As long as the bands get the money, I don't care. For me personally, the majority of my closet, and I told my wife, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, like, this is what I want to wear because I was wearing some shit that I I got rid of so many things. But I I like to buy them from the bands, you know, go to the shows, and you get the the stuff, right, directly from – because it, it <laughs> the memory that goes along with it, right? Like exactly. I'm thinking, yeah. you know, I'm wearing this shirt because I like it. I like to support the bands that I love, but also the memory that goes along with it. I don't give a shit about, you know, shirts that I bought like at some store. There's no memory that goes exactly. along with that. I don't give a shit about any of that. But then you get these and for a brief moment while I'm pulling out of my closet too, you know, kind of goes in my head like that show that I was at, that venue when I saw the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And none of those people are getting that shit by going to H&M. So if you can't get to a show, hopefully at least some of that is going to the band though. Hopefully they're not just ripping them off. I could also understand that person who was writing that TMBK because like when me and Pete were going to high school, Nobody liked Metallica. This is like right when the first album came out and they would make fun of us for wearing Metallica shirts and say stupid things. And then by the time you graduated, Masters of Puppets was coming out or whatever. And everybody, Metallica! <laughs> I didn't want to wear a Metallica shirt ever again. Right. Yeah. But I do now. I, I, will. I got one. I'm going to wear it. <laughs> well, you chalk that up to the artist like winning them over. It's like, yeah. Exactly. It's like, right. yeah, just wait. But that's a that's something like besides from the the money thing or the uh, what you guys were just talking about the one that uh, doesn't sit well with me is like you're almost trying to sell a culture to somebody who hasn't been a part of it because yeah that's yeah, a, that's a right. lot of people's when it comes down yeah, to it if like, the if the money's going to the right pockets I don't really care I'm not going to fault anybody for it if they want to if they don't know the band whatever but if the money's going to the right pockets then at least it's working out right. Yeah. Well, fellas, I, I know that it's getting close to that time. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate the, the opportunity to read the book, discuss the book with you guys, uh, and most of all, to just get a little insight into, you know, people, you know, me and Eric can, you know, probably both share the same opinion, but get insight into the life of people that we really enjoy what you've done. You know, music, that's why we do a music podcast is because we appreciate what people invest into something that we get so much enjoyment out of our personal lives with. And just to be able to talk to you guys about it, you know, just reading your book was enough, just like, oh, so cool what they did. But getting to talk to you guys about it and share now with uh, anybody that's listening out there right now, it's just fantastic. So I I appreciate you guys taking the the time out of your day uh, and talking with us about it. No problem, man. Thanks for being interested. Absolutely. (laughs) That was, like I told you, you know, there's bands that we can talk to that are new and we know very little about and conversations, you know, a, a 10 or 15 minute interview is like pulling teeth to try to stretch it out to that far. <laughs> but talking to you guys, I feel like we could talk to you for hours and hours and I have so many other questions. Uh, maybe once you guys have some time and you put some music out, if you want to join us again at some point in the future, uh, we'd oh, love yeah. to play anything that you guys, anytime and uh, talk to you again and so many other great things to, to talk to you about because the, the book, you know, gives some ideas when you're talking with people that you might not be familiar with or you don't read a book about their lives. You know, they're just general and you have no idea what you're going to get. But, you know, having some insight into what you guys have done, 
uh, the lives you've led along with just being familiar with your band for 25 years for myself personally. Uh, there's so many things that I would definitely love to, to ask you and talk to you about and hear things that weren't even included in the book. Uh, <laughs> once you guys have some time and you get all that put together, whenever that happens to be, we'll have to reach out to you and see if you uh, have some time to jump on again with us. Definitely. Sure. Excellent. Love that. Right? Yeah, and there for all other, all other listeners of this uh, podcast, you have actually have uh, two hardcore gentlemen telling you to read. <laughs> so read That's enhance true. your brain <laughs> yeah even me uh i'm telling you right now difficulty reading for me you know i'm not dyslexic or anything i just brain wanders but it was very easy to stay focused on that it was a very good read oh yeah i'm glad i'm uh, i like the way it came out i like so pictures too i like the the <laughs> the stick animation uh, on some of the pictures too <laughs> that's great yeah. yeah we it, it's because you know we, we, me and Pete discuss this all the time. It's like, how do bands like, like if you Sepultura put out this home video years ago and it's like they have footage of them in their little shanty rehearsal space and at the dinner table with their parents. And I'm like, we never thought of doing crap like that. We were like, let's just play the show. You know? Right. So when we do all these stupid antics, we had to, we had to use uh, our imagination <laughs> and stick figures to, to retell it. It was yeah. great. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able thing. to draw the stick figures that well. Definitely not uh, my artistic <laughs> abilities there. That was the other thing. All the little uh, anecdotes of stuff you do in hotel rooms with the video camera. All the oh, dumb yeah. films that you would make. <laughs> we have to get Richie to, to put that out again. To put it online. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing them. I'm like, this is something me and my friends would do as well. Yeah. Just <laughs> Because, you know, we're the jackass generation, so that <laughs> had an effect on us. We just wanted to film stupid shit. So. Exactly. Right. I'm just like, these guys get me. I feel like I can relate. <laughs> All right, fellas. Yeah, we we'll let you get after it. Again, I appreciate it. And, man, we're looking out for anything you guys are doing always before this, before the book, definitely wasn't looking for a book, but man, that was cool. And <laughs> you know, any bands, I guess that we're interested in, especially ones that have great histories like you, you know, now's obviously a good time. Life slowed down a little bit for some people and now's yeah. a great time to get into a book. Yeah. Thanks for having us, man. All right, Pete. All right, Lou, thank you. And everybody get out there and get the yeah. blood and the sweat. All right, man. Thanks, man. And the bugs too. <laughs> See, See you guys. See ya. Thanks a lot. Take it easy.